This is Tom from Wrong Rocket. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. Are you sure? Or am I Tabletops and Tentacles? I really don't know. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> Release the... Kraken! So, Chris, I thought we should have a, a, maybe a special uh, edition of the Robot Kraken podcast where we talk about our tales of woe with regards to the life of convention and small press creators during the pandemic. We've talked you about it in some of our previous shows, but... <laughs> tomorrow is the first day of Rose City and both of us are here and correct. set up and super excited about doing a convention. Yeah, correct. We've, um, I mean, we've talked about it over the last year and a half, how hard it is not to go to conventions and how weird it is having, you know, you de- developing the majority of your, sorry, the, de- the majority of your income after the e-commerce world shifted out of the convention circuit. And then me as this being like the, the escape that is so much, um, so enriching to me and seeing you and being able to hang out and seeing fans and how the pandemic's isolation has a particular sting when yeah. your common ground and the thing you're looking forward to, or the thing you need to do is based on large groups of people unwashed in a room together. Um, yeah. So here we are at the theoretical to some end of the pandemic and to others <laughs> like me and you, Oh my God, it's so not the end of the pandemic. Yeah. And some of these shows have started up and some of them are, are not, are, are, are ramping down again and some of them are still going and there's a lot of yeah. controversy about the shows that are going let's talk about that because you've now done one already right you've done one. i have yeah i did crypticon which is i mean it's always been one of my smaller shows anyway um it's a little horror show up in seattle and like generally speaking i would be surprised if they have five thousand attendees and this year I would be shocked if it was half that. Um, They were vaccinated only. um, So you had to show proof of vaccine and they checked your temperature every morning on the way in using a weird infrared total recall styles like camera um, that looks at your tear ducts to get your temperature, which I thought was interesting. Um, And then they banded you each day with a different colored band to make sure that you had gone through the temperature check. So they took it really seriously. Uh, Masks, mandatory. Uh, No one under the age of 12 was admitted to the show because they couldn't be vaccinated. Um, So this was like, Uh, I felt as safe as I'm going to get doing this show. Um, And they, they still had breakthrough cases. I mean, you're talking about a show that despite, yes, the show took precautions, but you're still in a hotel. You're still right off the airport at a hotel. And I mean, it's not surprising that there were cases that still broke through with it. And it was very, very strange doing that show. Like, not just because it was my first show in 18 months, but like the, the mood and the atmosphere and the vibe is so strange because there's this like weird weariness that's come from all of this and dealing with all of it but there's yeah but there's also this oh my god i'm around people that are like me for the first time in a year and a half like almost giddy silliness too at the same time 
and it was i mean i enjoyed it i was a, it was super fun it's the first time i've seen devon uh so i've i've only seen my buddy devon once in the last two years and it was for his mom's funeral so oh yeah it was yeah. super cool getting to see him and hang out um it made me look forward to Rose City, which we're no longer doing because right. I haven't seen you in just as long. Yeah. Um, it's funny it what you weird. say about the about the tone. I was thinking about um, some of your other comments to me and a couple of things I've read from some other artists. It sounded like, in a way, much like the pandemic has created intense versions of our normal personalities. In other words, our normal mm -hmm. experience has been exaggerated everyone's stress is at peak so they're it's like people who are drunk become some exaggerated version of some aspect of their personality the happy drunk yeah the sad person yeah. the angry person like the pandemic everyone's becoming the worst version the darkest timeline version of themselves and how they interact with people and how they respond to stress some of the things you described made me feel like you're talking about someone taking the typical con experience and cranking it higher mm -hmm. because you there's a palatable sense of getting it of a uh, no fatigue and weariness and um sort of uh everybody irrational still throats. well ir irrational stillness that i associate as a con um exhibitor because we go before the people come and we're doing this setup right. and there's all that dead time and there's all mm -hmm. this unglamorous and in fact emotionally complicated aspects yeah. of exhibiting the enthusiasm and a little bit of anxiety during setup like oh a am i going to get it done in time but also is it going to be a good show or am i going to get fucked and then that right. weird uh depression at the end of the show where you're both relieved mm -hmm. that it's over and you're tired, but you're also exhausted, exhausted, and, but also yeah. emotionally like, oh, it's sad when all the mm -hmm. all your exhibitor friends leave and you're like, and, yeah, and, and we're the last ones packing up or whatever. And you're like, of well, course, it's, it's us <laughs> and the union guys stacking tables, you know? Yeah. And, and at the same time, we always see then the crowds come in and you get all that weird um, fringe social anxiety of all the people that are they're in the land of their own people now and everyone's yeah. really excited and they're giddy at the table yeah. and they're really like you know like vibrating with yeah 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 so it sounded like what you said and what a couple other people told me is it felt like it's those were just ex greater like caricatures of themselves maybe. yeah it was interesting because it wasn't just like the giddiness being amped up but also like the caution and exhaustion and the frustration like everything seemed like it was cranked up to 11 so it was it was more draining than any con i've done in a lot of ways because it really was so exaggerated compared yeah. to what it was two years ago and like At the same time lower density too which is odd yeah yeah and it didn't help that it's been so long since i've really had a conversation with a person in person that wasn't my wife or a doctor right that i'm like <laughs> like this is this is soap i make kind of thing yeah, like it yeah, yeah. like my spiel that i could do in my sleep 90 times a minute at a normal year at doing cons was failing me left and right i started giving like the wrong combinations and the wrong words to things and 
like you just had to like like shake the dust and that dust is real caked on at this point <laughs> i can totally see that how would it how would your experience other than the um the uh sort of exaggerated caution about the you know the 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 social distancing protocols and the testing and all that stuff but like how would it compare to some of the shows we've done where um like some of those wizards or like the um you know these ones we did where it would the show was a complete disaster and people didn't show <laughs> up and and all of the and all of the exhibitors are really anxious and 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 upset and frustrated and in despair because it's going to completely fuck them that they're not going to make revenue at the show. You know that kind of show. How would it differ? Yeah. How did this differ from from that kind of show? I would say completely different. Um, huh. So so it was interesting because yes, there were less people, but I still actually made more than I did in 2019 at the same show. Yeah. Um, and which was the hope on these pandemic cons, right? That people are going right, to be so right. like desperate that they'll go crazy. Rose City was going to be I, either a great or terrible. I'm still not sure on that one either. I'm yeah. like genuinely concerned. I, I've heard Dragon Con, which was last weekend, was killer. Like wow. people were making seventy to eighty percent more than they made the year the last time they had the show. Um, but at the same time, like like we've said with Rose City, like like their guest list is literally a quarter of what it usually is, and that area in particular even though i was in seattle and seattle and portland aren't that far removed the vibe feels like it's just completely different for portland and but it was interesting so there were less people there and there was like this this weird heaviness on everything and the the trying to talk through masks over a table over the din of a convention next to the tattoo booth which is where i'm always at for that show which is both frustrating and fun at the same time because there's sure. like half unclothed people getting bloodied on next to me <laughs> but there's also that sure. constant buzz the entire time um and the, and i think crypticon might be a little bit of an outlier anyway because it is a horror convention and the vibe at that show is way different than like a slow wizard world because sure. a lot of it, like they'd come over and they just chat about horror movies for 20 minutes. And that's a, that's the interaction kind of thing. Like they're right. super laid back, really chill. Um, I love that show. But Target market. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And especially with me and Devin there and we hadn't seen each other for a while. And so like, being able to talk to people with the same interests as us after I spent a year and a half in Idaho with people who not only don't have similar interests, but have different points of view about how things should be handled. Right. I, I was very like, it didn't have that like feel of tension and weirdness that a slow con usually does, Got but it. it had a different exhaustive feel. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, it's funny that you talk about um, different vibes in Seattle and Portland. They have different vibes on a good day. But one of the concerns I have about whether how Rose City was going to work from a um, public participation standpoint is that, you know, yeah, you know, downtown Portland has still been pretty badly ravaged from the events yeah. of last year. And my friends who live there and talk about their experience say that there has been very little rebuilding. That it's still, uh, you know, like a kind of a 
dead zone. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of reminds me Pouring of how up walls and graffiti and yeah. Remember the last time we did a show in Sacramento and we're like, wow, a lot of Sacramento is like beat up and then sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of sad because all of our associations with our, our shows in Portland are that's, I mean, easily my favorite place to do the show. Yeah. Our, my favorite yeah, experiences love... we've had were there. Because of the yeah. going out, because of the people that come, because of going out at night and going to the places we would go, mm-hmm. those experiences we had are, are a huge part of that experience. And the thought that yeah. a lot of that might be neutered was sobering mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah, it it's but, worries me. I, I, I really wish we were doing the show, but at the same time, I'm genuinely glad that we decided not to this year because... I uh, I don't know. I'm I don't want our enjoyment of that show in that city and the experience of us doing a show there to be sullied by whatever in the world it is, whether it's killer yeah. but also weird or what. I I don't know. Well, I got to tell you. I mean, so so for listeners what's what we're talking about here is that Rose City in Portland decided to go forward. Um they announced they were going to move move on and actually do the show some months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but the, but, but, but how do we put this convention promoters are not the most communicative group to begin with, <laughs> but the communication flow on this show was very uh, minimal, which was atypical for the show relative yes. to previous years, even after the sale to the new owners. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was uncharacteristically uncharacteristically quiet leading yes. to like me reaching out to them multiple times to say, is this happening kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And then saying them saying, yep, it's happening and you're good. And so we got to roll over. I had gone. My plan was to go super big after mm-hmm. 2019 when it was the last time I could deal with uh, the artist alley setup too big. Right. Need to move on. All of my shows for 2020 were, were set up to be by the booth, go big. Right. That was the big push, right? It was all post-human plus prints in the background, have the room, the real estate of the booth, and just really go big on it. And that's what I was going to do on every show, four shows, make or break. And this was the one I was most looking forward to. This was also the one that I first made that decision to do that. As you recall, Mm -hmm. I talked to Tom over by a little bit and molded over for a while. And then when I went to go re-up, I was like, I want all of it. Booth, (laughs) corner placement, priority selection by Artist Alley, and marketing package. So I was in, you know, 1600 bucks, right? And then Mm -hmm. 2020 was canceled. And then they say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll roll you over to 2021. It's going to happen. Everything's great. And at that time, things were starting to look like we had it. The vaccine had rolled out. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a I live in a uh, vaccine bubble. I live in a COVID bubble, which is my neighborhood, my city, and neighboring cities in this part of California have been very high on vaccine rates, very low on COVID cases. And while there have been dissenters and anti-vaxxers and other stuff going on, for the most part, that's fringe. That's elements spiking and getting right. uh, getting um, amplified through the the echo chamber but not really representing the common experience if anything our problem is entitled people not taking things very seriously because it just doesn't seem that real to them right 
Where at coming in, it, being in a family where someone died from COVID, that's not great. And having kids, not happy about that. But you look at other areas yeah. of the country, like what you're experiencing. Obviously, other areas of the country is so much worse. Um, so yeah. Whole states that are just being destroyed. And Southern California is spiking really bad. So at the time yeah. I said, I'll do Rose City, things were looking better. We started planning right. a trip to Disneyland. Everything was good <laughs> until Delta. And then I'm like, well... And so we actually made yeah. the difficult decision to cancel the Disneyland trip, which was hard for my kids, especially my son. But sure, made it work. And then it was, well, how, let's see, what do we do about Rose City? And you and I right. both thought they're gonna. And at that point, we were like, we're, you're gonna come because you didn't have a separate table for this year. So you were like, right. you guys were to come, and we were gonna share the booth. Yeah. And then, and then we were thinking, well, they're probably gonna cancel it, right? Because the yeah. Delta's flaring everywhere, and and these areas are being affected. Pacific Northwest is is hurting. Well, they don't. And th- at some point I said, what, like, I have an unvaccinated youngling. I can't risk this. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be fine, but I can't risk it. And that's long before mm-hmm. I heard that there were, in fact, breakout cases at very well, right. well, safely managed shows like the one you just mm-hmm. went to. It was sort of like your experience shows that even the best efforts, it's still risk. Yeah, you know, I've, got a, I've yeah. got a kid that is a risk. I'm immunocompromised. I'm a risk. You're mm-hmm. a risk. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I can't do the show. And at that point, he they were saying, well, you're going to, you know, you're already booked. Yeah, well, you have to cancel. Well, you got to do the show. Yeah. Yeah. They said, they said that the last, they said they checked and the last date for cancellations was December of 2020. And I was like, you hadn't announced the show yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But okay. Fine. Nonsense. So we said, okay, fine. You were going to take the table anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you were doing this past show, and you were supposed to then race home, get supplied, and then go to Rose City again, back yeah. to Idaho, then back to the to the coastline, and yeah. that's when we found out that they were willing to let us uh, just punt it to 2022, and so we backed like, yes. together. <laughs> and I know some artists. Tom was there, and then our friend Brian, mm-hmm. who does work uh, as his you know his beat boop robots, and and mm-hmm. Meg, and those those folks are all there. I'm sure. I mean, I hope it's that killer show where everyone is just wanted. They're just bursting with twenties and just want to go crazy, Mm. and it's a great show. I just couldn't risk that decision being destructive for my family and my professional life. Yeah, because no, at at this point, I'm a single family, single earning family, and Mm -hmm. if I got sick or we got devastated financially, um, I would be. We would just be screwed. Well, so, or even just making the choice to go do it and then somebody gets sick as a result of it. It's just, well, you've got to make that choice. Yeah. yeah. But also there's a, there's the, um, there's a certain amount of politics to it too. For example, mm-hmm. if you go and then someone is sick later, mm-hmm. you're in a position where you're a suspect as someone who a could have been the cause, but also an example of a person who made the decision that right. in retrospect looks worse. In other words, yeah. if we were to continue to get bad and everybody gets really sick and things are getting really serious in the next couple of months, mm-hmm. going to a convention is going to look like a really bad idea, right? Yeah. So yeah. in my in my professional world, right? So anyway, right. the sum total of that is that we decided not to go. Um, yeah. Some of the marketing material still shows us there. <laughs> shows me there of course uh tom overby was messaging me earlier asking where my booth was because he <laughs> saw my name but he couldn't find my booth and i'm like uh yeah. did they make a booth because they weren't supposed yeah. to 
He did tell me he was placed. He did tell me he was placed pretty far from Artist Alley, and he was pissed because he and I both mm-hmm. had said, "By the alley, front corner, right." Me. And you have to admit, if there's less, they said, "Oh, less exhibitors because we got to keep it thin, and so you'll have less competition." Well, yeah. Also, what that means is they just have less people doing the show. Why, right. Why would it be harder to get the spot that we were paying for? Yeah, that's really inexplicable, honestly. Yeah. So who's to say? I'm really hoping I hear positive things, but <laughs> I also too. wonder. I also wonder if I'm going to hear about like, oh, well, sorry, uh, no, you didn't roll over because I said I sent the paperwork and said yes, I'm rolling over to 2022. I hope they honor. I it. know that they've let at least three or four people I know also roll their booths over after we did. So um, I had a couple of people reach out to me after Crypticon and say, hey, after we talked, I talked to them because I decided I didn't want to do the show either. And they let them roll their booth forward. So, OK, well, I'm hopeful. I'll tell you co- us. <laughs> a couple of days ago. Well, the way I look at it is it doesn't matter at the end. Right. Still not going to yeah. go. And I actually think it's a really yeah. good idea that you didn't go between between your wife and those kinds of stresses mm-hmm. of her trying to help you with the show right now and the puppy and your health, mm. it's what is it? it well, we've was... got Fanex next weekend anyway. And yeah. if Rose City had been absolutely killer, there's absolutely no way we would have had anything to sell at Fanex. Right. And I mean, like, like that would be a good problem to have. But at the same time, my wife is still quite sick, and it, there's only so much production we can do. And. I, I, this just is less stress for her, and 100%. I think that's worthwhile. We have to take what chances we can with things, and right now you've got to kind of balance that choice and say, "Hey, is the risk worth the reward?" And I agree completely that in this particular case, for us, the two of us and the family on your end, it wasn't worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, I. Um, it was odd though, uh, two days ago, I got a call from the marketing group, um, informing me, um, I don't know whether you heard, but there will not be a print edition of the marketing booklet that everybody paid for due to concerns about COVID. So what we're doing is a digital only version of the pamphlet, but we still want to make sure, yeah, but still want to make sure that, uh, I get my ad to them, uh, soon so that they can get it published and digitally published and i was like oh that's cool except i'm not even attending i'm surprised yeah that you have, you know, you're lit. They're like oh oh my god so had i been going <laughs> that i mean i one of the caveats was if we actually if you know if we had gone forward with it i was like well man if there aren't a lot of people there and it's a smaller pond with a lot of hungry people and i've got a mm-hmm. full mar- a full page the full page ad is what i took out i was yeah. like this could be really good yeah, so I would have been I would have been super nonplussed if I was mm. packing packing up to go and got the call Ooh, look, from the marketing swipe. department. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're gonna do a digital edition of your pamphlet. Oh, really? That's that's bull. what I paid for. So I'm yeah. hoping I, I'm really hoping that next year is better for them. I hope this goes over well. They she yeah. told me she told me that they're doing they were setting up or planning four cons. One right after another in very short order, and it's been insanity on their end. And I'm like, I totally get sure. that. And, yeah. and it's, I think it's hard for them to, to set up shows on a good day. 
I mean, I, I think it's easy to undervalue how hard it is for mm-hmm. them. We just get so frustrated. Yeah. We get so frustrated on our side of it. Yeah. Um, so much so that when we get well, we're well taken care of. We think of it like, oh my god, they're so great. And then you're like later, like, well, yeah. how come the others are not like that? Well, reality is, it's a lot of hor- it's a lot of cat wrangling, and it can be mm-hmm. very challenging. Yeah, in the best so, of times, and this yeah. is not the best of times. So yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what's what's your time outlay when you go to Fanex? How long does it take you to get there? That's uh, only two and a half hours. See, that's the other thing I was thinking. It's it's a much different impact even on you physically mm-hmm. to pack up and go over to fan X than yeah. it is to drive back to Portland after driving back from yeah. Seattle. I mean, that's a huge, yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous difference in exhaustion and time and effort. And yeah, like, like Salt Lake city, we get done packing up. So the show in Salt Lake city runs from uh, Thursday through Saturday, right? The show in Saturday evening at like seven ish or something like that and then you pack up we can pack up after a late close on saturday and still be home to sleep in our beds that night that's amazing whereas i mean that's a huge difference and or it's 18 hours a lot easier travel for for going to the coast right yeah and we know enough people in that area that we were able to recruit two of Lindsay's friends oh pardon me to help us at the booth, you should which I wouldn't have been able to do in Portland. Yeah, yeah. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, um, I think um, one of the risks that exhibitors take in this whole endeavor is that, um, you know, you hear the fans talk all about how, oh, I'm so tired after a couple days at the show and walking around in my in my costume yeah. and in the whole rush of the thing. And I love reading their 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 enthusiasms, but also their weariness about like, oh, my God, this is whole thing. I love reading that stuff and then thinking about it from the exhibitor's side, which is it's an absolute grueling, physically exhausting, demanding exercise to pack, go, set up, travel, set up, do the show day after day, pack up again and leave. We rarely get out of shows without con cred. And I was trying to imagine yeah. what it's going to be like at a time. Do you want to be immunocompromised and be worn down and be highly mm-hmm. susceptible to catching things? Granted, we have the masks and all that, which actually works in our favor compared right. to a normal year. But just the level of what being worn down is really risky. And yeah. so for you, the risk inherent in driving two hours and setting up a Fanex is way lower in terms of health burden than it is packing and going all the way to Portland to do the setup. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. think so. So I'm optimistic yeah. for Fanex. I'm really hoping that's going to work out too. I hope so because it's as of right now it's literally the only show we have until 2021. So it's going to be a long, hard winter if it's a rough 2022. Show. Yeah. 2022, yeah, something yeah. like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and so like it's a really, I don't know, it's a bouncy thing. We'll have to see where everything lands, but fingers crossed. We'll see. I've, if it doesn't end up working, we've got contingency plans. But yeah, like both that show and Rose City are expensive shows. Like again, yeah. with with Salt Lake Comic Con, we're gonna be three grand in by the time we're done with everything, and that's that's a lot of money just to break even, let alone make enough yeah, profit is. to for sure survive. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm I'm saddened. I want to say to anyone who's listening that know us from Rose City. I'm saddened to say that we're missing you 
as yeah. people coming to the table, but also other exhibitors that we know that are going. I'm hoping everybody does well. I'm hoping that the people who are going as guests enjoy themselves and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of feedback from people that have gone to some of the other shows that have happened recently, that they had a great time, that they actually, even though the masks were a pain and that other stuff mm-hmm. was exhausting, um, that the more breathing room was really nice. Yeah, uh, for them, and that their actual experience was more 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 pleasant as a result. And uh, you know, I think, you know, looking at the bright side, but not mm-hmm. the i not the airs bright, but like the bright bright side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hoping that um, you know, I'm hoping that these first shows back that people both exhibit at and attend, um, end up becoming shows that you look back on and think I really those are fond memories for me. Those are standout memories in the series of shows and things of that that part of my life, right? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's important. That would be nice. So, anyway. So, good luck to our friends that are there. And good luck for you for FanX. And I hope that um, the next time we're talking about cons, we'll be hearing about your windfall. Yes. Be I'll great. be talking to you from my... A uh, hot tub in the back of a limousine or something. I was going to say you'd be talking to me from the back <laughs> of the Tesla that you've tricked into auto driving, right? With like right. hanging the little weights on the on the steering wheel, so that yeah. <laughs> and you're in the back. Some you're champagne. just hanging out. Yeah. My robot butler is is coasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh I'm, my god. I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm nervous. It's it's the first time we're debuting our weird freeze dried candies. And it's the first show that Lindsay will have done since her her medical thing, and it's it's going to be nuts. It's it, we're selling candles and soaps to a group of people wearing masks over their noses. So, uh-huh. yeah, sure. We'll see. Well, and like you said about um, the difficulty of trying to communicate through masks over the din, um, mm-hmm. your style is a very vocal talk to them, engage people, be enthusiastic have them smell things. And then my style is having engaged and deep and uh, deep nerd conversations with enthusiasts. They then dive into my stuff in both cases. We're somewhat compromised by having a mask on. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, um, absolutely. I don't know, man. Well, so uh, that was our pandemic con update. And I'm hoping that the fairly near future, things are going to turn around and we're going to have a lot of, exciting things happening in 2022 we have really little choice it's either that or why the last man right it's going to be one <laughs> <Right>. of those two <laughs> timelines <laughs> we might actually be in bunkers talking about movies that don't exist <laughs> all right my man so right good luck and the next time we talk about this thing we're going to hear nothing but accolades massive sounds accolades. good all okay right. this is tom with wrong rocket and listen i want to thank all 33 of you or 333,000 of you, if we're doing this based on algorithms, uh, for listening to the Robot Kraken podcast and also for supporting Chris of Deeply Dapper and me, Wrong Rocket, at conventions when you've been able to see us. This episode's uh, format is obviously about the issue of the pandemic convention or the Pandemicon and uh, our lack of attendance, or in particular my lack of attendance over the course of the, um, the last 18 months. Listen, uh, what I wanted to offer to you is um, if between now and the uh, convention season starting in 2022, uh, if you want to pick up any of the uh, original art books 
and tribute art books and wrong robot books that you've seen at the table that I've offered in the past. Uh, and you send a message to me, email to me, either you can send a message through Instagram or you can uh, email me directly, uh, mention robot Kraken and that you're a listener and I will give you 20% off, uh, the entire order of books. Uh, that's not off the website. That's contacting me directly. Um, and, uh, most likely I'll throw in some five by seven, uh, art pieces as well, just for fun, just for fun. So again, you can reach me, uh, at minder at wrongrocket.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram as Wrong Rocket, or you can reach out to me through our, uh, uh, you know, uh, Robot Kraken Instagram account as well. Either way, I'll get the message. But if you're interested in such a deal, reach out, let me know, and I'll send it to you. And we will pretend collectively like we're doing it across a convention table, even though we're not. But we'll pretend we are. And I look forward to seeing you all in 2022. However, I wonder how the rest of 2021 went for Chris. Well, let's find out, shall we? Uh, so, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Chris from Deeply Dapper, yes. uh, for listeners, it's been a, a millisecond or, or three, and for us, it's been uh, about a month and a half since we yeah. previously discussed the roadmap <clears throat> towards the end of the con season for you, and we were talking about you ramping up to see uh, how it would go, and I believe we had talked about not doing Rose City, and you were preparing for Fanex in Salt Lake City. Is that not correct? I believe that's correct, yes. And that, so you that did... seems accurate. All right, so in the space-time continuum, that may or may not be what happened in 2021 or not. But I think it was you did Fanex, <laughs> you did Fanex, and then the Bent Ankle Gem Show or something, and then one final one, right? Mm, no, I did... Uh, so I did Crypticon, which was a horror convention. Then right. we did Fanex, then we did Anime Bonsai. Or... Got it. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's go in order. How did how did how did uh, how did uh, how did Crypticon go? I mean, that's a that's a show you love for the they were as, three, a, as a participant. Very. Right. Yeah, yeah. They were three very very different shows. Um, so Crypticon was all vaccinated, one hundred percent. You masks were mandatory. They checked your temperature anytime you left the building and came back in. And generally speaking, horror fans are pretty, um, pretty conscious of all of that stuff anyway. And so it was real chill. It was a lot smaller than normal, but we still did about the same amount of money as usual. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, setting up and running a show with a mask on is a nightmare. I, <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Um, and part of that is that I'm not one of those poor guys that's had to wear their mask eight hours a day working the grocery line or whatever. Um, right. It's one of the the one benefits of how insane this last year has been is that I have been able to work from home primarily. But um, it was it was good. It was it was honestly really nice to be around people again uh -huh. and not just Idahoans. <laughs> so to fair, speak. Um, fair because Crypticon is where Seattle. Seattle. And it was one of the first times I've stayed in the host hotel, hmm. which was, I like I tried to rack my brain for other times that I'd done it. And I don't think I ever have before. Hmm. And it was really nice. Does uh, that mean that Crypticon was... is Crypticon held in the ballroom of that hotel? Is that what you mean by the host hotel? Correct. Yeah. Got yeah. It. So Got Crypticon it. is it's it's a airport Hilton. 
and okay. it's a massive place and it's it's actually really fun it's got this like weird old 60s retro styling and it's built around a pond and like huh. it's it's a very strange hotel it almost looks like it was built like back in the tiki era and sure. then they just upgraded certain areas of it um so se semi less appropriating <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, but it was actually, it was really nice. Like, Devin was there with me uh, working the booth, and he got kind of sick on Saturday, and he could just oh, go no. up to the room and take a nap. And yeah. like, That's convenient. The fact that we weren't, yeah, the, the, the fact that there wasn't a 35-minute drive to where we were staying for the night was genuinely really nice. And oh, especially yeah. with Lindsay and her health conditions the way they are now, we're right. going to have to start leaning that direction more because she can't work an entire day of a convention. So having that spot to retreat to is going to become vital. Absolutely. That's ex I mean that's and also the other thing about that is I mean we you know we talked about this before on the show but we, some of us do show some of us do shows that um or I should say us meaning uh, <laughs> exhibitors like you that do many shows, not me. I tend to. <laughs> I've done some shows I didn't like, but it was really I'm 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 shooting in a fairly narrow range of, of uh, a narrow radius, and it's and and could you be there? You know that kind of thing. So yeah, I yeah. didn't love all my shows, but you 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 do different shows, uh, different types of shows, and some of them are you know shows that you're doing because it's the market or it's the one that fills the slot for that month or whatever it is. And you do shows that you love because of the show and because of the content. And you always describe crypt, uh, crypti Crypticon? Crypticon Crypticon as one th yes. that you love as a fan, as an exhibitor. So like, when you get the chance, you want to break away and go and just check out all the cool stuff. I'd like to go to that one. Yeah. I think that sounds great. It's a really fun show. It's, whoops, that was weird. Um, I just accidentally FaceTimed Devin for some reason. Don't do that. He, he's resting. My he's still resting. Picked up, <laughs> he picked me up talking about him and tried to call him, apparently. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those shows where, like, the celebs, there's only, like, seven or eight of them. They're all super chill. Like, Joe Bob Briggs was there. And, yeah. like, he just kind of wandered around and chatted with people. And, yeah, it's, it's really small and really laid back. And then we went right from that into Fanex, which is one of our biggest shows. Before and you jump off was... Crypticon, I want to ask you something. Um, because I see, I mean, you've had a lot of different types of product over the years um, that I've known you and, and I've done shows with you. Um, and, you've, and you've made decisions strategically about what you want to bring to a show uh, in this case versus that case. And also gradual shifts in the focus that you've experimented with in what you have at table at your table or multiple tables at crypticon did you tailor your um would you say that you tailored your content to what you thought would work at a horror convention or did you bring what you had given things and it, it was different than previous years I mean, you didn't have maybe a supply um all of the above <laughs> um, I always cater what I bring to a certain extent like I enamel pins are huge at Crypticon obviously um, and like my horror stuff sells better there so right. we usually make sure we make like some of the horror themed soaps and candles like groovy and I see. that kind of thing um, but at the same time it's 
I mean, a lot of my stuff is either horror or 80s themed anyway. Right. So for a show like Crypticon, their interest range is sort of already covered with my regular stuff. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, Versus yeah. my approach where I bring the same amount of, the same, you know, 900% overkill of, of uh, burden of choice. And then I just try to front the... The, the front the, the marketing material based on what might be hot at that show <laughs> and see if right. I have it right <laughs> dupes really popular at this show I'll put the dupe print out you know. <laughs> and I do <laughs> we've had those dupe shows you know oh uh, yeah that's interesting so you then you then you then you slid right into Fanex which is your biggest show but here's the thing yeah from 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 Seattle to Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Based on the fact that you did really well in Seattle, did you go home first and resupply, make new stuff, whatever, and then go? I mean, how did you handle that? Because home is um, home is in Idaho for people who don't, haven't figured this out. Right, so it's sort of in between. Um, Lindsay stayed home while I did Crypticon and mm. worked on making. Uh, we started doing freeze dyed candy now, freeze dried candy. And so we had those at Fanex. So she was working on those while I was gone. Uh, but uh-huh. honestly, we just had to kind of coast with what we have. Our production on productivity is way down right now because of Lindsay's health issues. Sure. And so like we went from making 700 soaps in a day to a big day for us being 100 soaps. Right. So our honestly for Salt Lake, we just literally brought everything we had. <laughs> Which makes sense. Uh, yeah, we operated on the assumption that if we sell out, we sell out. There is nothing more we can do about it. And honestly, we pretty much sold out. Uh, Fanex was nuts. So a lot of people um, that I've talked to that went there said they lost their shorts. And so whether it was, I think it was after Fanex that I would see them post about the next show and it was like hey i'm bringing my dregs and it's like well because that's not a bad thing <laughs> and and mm-hmm. you know i don't know if people um act act uh, disappointed at the table but i would think that all of us in the culture would be like look that you know hey cthulhu bless you did great that's great i'll look at your dregs because <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we should all be um, lucky enough to have that yeah it it's it was an interesting show it was the first like big show that we'd done since the the whole pandemic thing right and the vibe is weird <laughs> it's oh, not yeah? bad it, it almost has like a high school kid at their first party kind of vibe to it where they're like some of the people are so excited to just get out and do something that mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter what they're doing but at the same time there's also a lot of like those those looky loos that haven't done anything in forever and they're like oh let's go to this here comic book convention that have clearly never been there before and are almost like uh, they're sort of the the beer and pretzels crowd that are just there for the entertainment not because they actually love comics and that kind of thing which is something we've always uh, struggled with at shows anyway was that type mm -hmm. of uh, fan yeah 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 it was really interesting the crowd at fanex is usually pretty heavily fan based and mm. this time the mix felt a lot more wizard world than fan x mm. in a lot of ways which but is an interesting difference yeah it really is different yeah um sales wise we did great we absolutely it was one it was our best fan x and fan x is traditionally one of our top three shows um i mean we didn't like 
come home and pay off the house or anything, but I did come home and pay the house bill. So <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well, we so it's interesting. We 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 were talking last time about um, milliseconds ago about how the biggest yeah. um, disappointment about not being able to do Rose City or feeling feeling that we couldn't um, overcome the measured risk issues of doing it mm-hmm. uh, in our cases uh, was that we the gamble was that if um, like if we had gone it was either going to be terrible or amazing right and no one knew right. what it what a show what a substantial size show in a market like that was going to do after the after it opens up particularly a little early as they did and particularly without some of the yeah. protocols in place um, we heard i heard a lot from we should maybe talk a little bit about that but i mean i did hear from a number of people who did the show and a few that attended that said that um, mm-hmm. they 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 had some scares you know afterwards in terms yeah. of uh, they got sick and then they were really worried about it because of uh, how the show was or wasn't um, uh, managing the protocol requirements based on what the mm-hmm. city and state requirements were and i think that's all hearsay but i would say that our concern was you know we could be missing out on not only just financially viable show but um, an exciting one as a creator right when things are going great that's really thrilling and after almost two years of isolation and depression and uh you know creative um uh, quarantine in a real quarantine, mm-hmm. that would be really exciting. And so your experience at Fan X is sort of like what we were hoping uh, Rose City would be. And that's really fun and great to hear that it went that well. Um, yeah, I was impressed, honestly. I didn't expect that to be the case, but I was very happy that it did as well as it did. Uh, th- like you said, there were definitely some enforcement issues. Uh, day were there? one, masks were pretty significant and all over the place. And by by Saturday afternoon, three-fourths of them were around the chin or not there at all. And, so how did you handle? So how did you handle that at the table? Well, I mean, honestly, we we're on the far side of the table, so we at least have some distance from them. And yeah. I tend to kind of stand back anyway. Um, so you know, it's it was one of those things where I'm fully vaccinated. Everybody at my table was fully vaccinated. If anyone's going to catch something, it's, uh, it's, there's nothing we can do about it at that point. And it's already floating around there, I think. So I, I don't know. I, I wish there was a way to do cons and be more careful. But honestly, just the fact that you're working at a convention means you're opening yourself up to exposure either way. Now, do you, so, um, did you see, you guys kept your masks on the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, did you see other exhibitors who did not? Honestly, generally speaking, the exhibitors were really good about it. Um, I didn't get away from the booth a ton, but when I did, generally, we saw everybody wearing their masks, even during setup and takedown. Um, We actually built a little, like, hidey hole out of grid wall that we could go back behind and take our masks off to, like, eat or drink something or just like catch a breather. And that was really valuable, um, especially with Lindsay needing, this was her first show she'd done since she got sick. And so we needed a place that she could kind of escape to. Mm. And it was nice being able to go back there, throw a little hand sanitizer on, get a drink, take your mask off and breathe a little bit uh, because it gets very like, I mean, con funk is a thing. <laughs> it is a real thing, yeah. 
Um, uh, the interesting thing, though, I mean, we sell candles and soaps. Our sales on both of those things were down significantly because people don't want to take their masks off to smell. I think um, so, that was something you were worried about before, and I think that's a real interesting mm -hmm. issue um, in the same way that, um, yeah. I mean, the things you're experiencing, what we're talking about is affecting everyone in in, um, in retail and in service industry, right, across mm -hmm. um, parts of America that, that took uh, you know, social distancing and quarantine rules seriously. The yeah. retail retailers being being uh, forced to risk losing uh, sales and possibly customers if they told someone to leave the store if they wouldn't put the mask on, right? That whole thing, and then also right. um, the way in which certain uh, markets suffered more because the 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 pandemic limited people's ability to interact with them or their their need for their kinds of products. Right. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. massive party yeah. products, less yeah. desirable, you know, indoor dining, less desirable <laughs> and so forth. So, I mean, it's interesting when you have such a you you have a very interactive um, table with your interaction with the customers. I do as well. Mm -hmm. And then you have a very interactive table in terms of the type of product that brings them in that they really need to get up in there. Um, your snow. Right. Your, <laughs> Your Snoke smelling, <laughs> your soap sm smelling <laughs> is similar to your Snoke smelling based on what they did in the revisions in the third movie probably would be even worse than in the second movie. Anyway, okay. uh, it's it's similar to like farmers markets trying to operate, but they can't give out samples, right? Oh, don't touch right. the peaches. Exactly. Right? Like, how do you conduct yeah, that unless yeah. someone came being like, I need, I need Chipotle almonds and you have them. I will buy yeah. them. So that's, that, that's, yeah, it's, that's it's, a real challenge. It has been. Um, I. It was interesting the difference between the three shows too. Like uh, Crypticon, most people just kind of smelled them through their masks, which mm -hmm. meant our sales were down quite a bit because yep. even opening the package, holding it up, and smelling it, it's with a mask up. There's still only so much you can smell. It right. changed a little bit for Fanex. Fanex definitely had more people pulling their mask down to smell, mm. and then putting them back up afterwards and we made it a point of like every 15 20 minutes we would take the testers that we had out and wipe them down and that yeah. kind of thing but i mean there's only so much you can do when your table is going to be touched so <laughs> unfortunately um, because yeah and I, you know and also i was you know i thought about this i don't think we talked about it at the time and maybe um it's a it's a no-brainer but i was thinking about this at some point in the milliseconds between our two discussions. And I remember thinking, you know, driving or something, and I remember thinking, uh, going back to the sampler thing, it's like, wait a minute. What mm -hmm. if, um, you know, what if you took, for every soap that you have, you take one of them and you mm -hmm. sacrifice it, just like you do with testers anyway, and you carve it mm -hmm. into a, a bunch of tiny little bits, and then you give them that little bit that they can take step away mm -hmm. smell do whatever they got to do with it um would that be helpful or not right I certainly they get more honestly they yeah. get more smell from the whole brick but i mean i wondered if that's right you know? i it, okay. it really comes down to the fact that we're talking con people and you only have a certain amount of time to get them mm. um i would say probably 90 percent of what we sold at this show was to regulars uh, we did not pick up a ton of fresh new uh, 
followers at this particular show because you couldn't stand there and have them smell every single one. Hmm. But, you know, we did what we did. And the simple fact was, was that the other stuff we sold made up for it in some ways. Like I sold quite a few copies of my magazine, which was really exciting. Um, mm -hmm. The candy killed. We sold 450 bags of candy at the show. Wow. And so, without samples yeah. or with samples? Uh, no, we were doing samples. Oh, we, okay. um, for those, we did samples. We, they, we just did this, the freeze-dried Skittles, and we had a pair of tongs that we would drop from a distance down into their hand. They could take a step back and slip it into their mask and eat it. And so that was something that I felt like we had a reasonable amount of control over that mm -hmm. we could do safely. So, And I think that made a massive difference because at uh, Anime Bonsai, or Umami Bonfire, as Devin likes to call it, um, we could we could not do samples. Um, the convention center vetoed mm. it, and our sales were notably lower at that show. Mm. So huh. yeah, it's it's a really weird world we're in right now, and all three of the things that we're doing pretty big, the soaps, the candles, and the candies, would all do much, much better in a pre-pandemic universe. <laughs> of course. <laughs> For sure. Um, so do you, that's interesting. So, and you don't think that little, little samples of soap would, would help. Meaning even if they're standing at the table, they could tuck it in under their mask and whatever in a way. Well, that, the, the problem it, is that we have 35 soaps. Sure. Sure. So you've got a, and, four, but, yeah. And we, I mean, like, like just even at a small con, we have, two or three thousand people come by the table and yeah. so i mean even if only uh, a fourth of them takes a single sample of each soap that's still a solid 40 bars worth of soap we'd be cutting up and that's yeah, the time that. to cut it up it's the hassle of having to touch it and deal with it or wear gloves and hand it to them so it's just it would be so much more work and expense Whereas this way, we used one single bar for each show as a tester and then tossed it. Mm, I can see that. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and so did you see that there was anyone else? I'm not encouraging all of our listeners to run out and make um, freeze-dried candies, but I was just curious. Did you find <laughs> that that was something that was a um, that might that might have been a um, something unique differentiator for you in at Fanex? And did you find it, was it fairly th unique? And, and and does it did it sell really well at all three shows, or was that the only show you had in it? Uh, well, cottage laws are different across the different states, and what so is a, what is a cottage law? Cottage law is what uh, states assign people that are doing home made like treats and vegetables uh. and that kind of thing. That's what mandates all of those. And they're radically different in different states. Like Seattle, if you want to sell uh, anything homemade, period, including like vegetables and things fresh from the garden, you have to have a commercial kitchen that has been inspected and given to. So the fact that like mm. it's absolutely ludicrous to me that technically speaking, someone would have to put in a commercial kitchen and have it inspected just so they could sell vegetables from their garden. It's very fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, in Utah, they're pretty flexible 
in Idaho, like the only thing they mandate and cover is like dog food. Like you can't hmm. make dog food, <laughs> basically. Um, but in Utah, there are a ton of people doing freeze dried candies because there's only one company making an at-home freeze dryer for consumer purchase and it's in Utah. Oh, However, it is a $4,000 machine. Like right. the only reason we have one is because my father-in-law bought it for us to make dog treats for him because that's what he does for a living is he takes care of dogs and like dog sits and does all of that stuff. And so he actually bought it for us to do that. And when uh. we just started doing the candy is sort of a fun side gig kind of thing when we're not doing stuff for him. Um, but there were a couple of other people at the show selling freeze-dried candy, but I feel like we had two things over them. One, mm -hmm. we were selling them a little bit cheaper, mm -hmm. and two, I went through and gave geeky names and packages to every single thing. So mm -hmm. instead of freeze-dried taffy, we were selling goblin noggins and crumble bees and... Like, we gave them funny names as opposed to just, like, all of our Skittles, we call them Popped Fairies. So they mm -hmm. have that geeky name aspect to them that works so well with our soap. Like, mm. if I say that it's a vanilla oatmeal soap, nobody cares about that. But if I tell them it's a, a witcher taking a bath soap, they'll buy it. <laughs> Fair. So it's again, it's it's just another one of those things where we're kind of feeling our way out, figuring out what does and doesn't work. And like we looked into doing the Denver show and realized that we couldn't do the candy there. And we're so slow right now with our other production items mm. that we wouldn't have had anything to sell because, you know, like the soap has to cure and the candles take a certain amount of time. And so we're like, you know, we could do the Denver show, which is. I think next weekend, but we would have like maybe maybe two thousand dollars worth of stuff if we sold literally everything on the table, which has never happened before. Uh -huh. <laughs> so so we ended up having to cancel that show because we just we literally wouldn't have had enough money to justify the cost. So I could I could see that. Yeah. I just lost my microphone. Uh oh. <laughs> Watch out. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Um. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting challenge, definitely. Uh, I mean, I have to say, I really would love to get out in the in the future. You know, after mm -hmm. we come out of our bunkers, um, <laughs> I would love to get out there and do a Salt Lake City show. <laughs> that I would love to do Fan X. I mean, I, I I'm still just reeling at the idea of driving there. But you do that, you do that kind of that run all the time. It's just to me, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But um, honestly, I love that drive uh, the, between Utah and where you live is some of the most beautiful landscape in different ways. Like you've got those like broad, crazy Nevada deserts. And you've got those gorgeous passes over like Donner and everything. It's yeah. a really pretty drive. But I get it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 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 okay. So then you did Bonsai. Mm hmm. Yes. And how how did that go? Uh, it went okay. It, um, it is one of those shows where we always have a good time. It's not really... Like, it's all anime-based stuff for the most part. And it's one of those shows where the booth barnacles are bad. 
like mm. to the point that we have code words with our neighbors to come and offer to watch the booth so we can use the restroom like we asked them to do quotation marks because there are certain booth barnacles there that the social interaction skills that you know some nerds aren't real strong with mm -hmm. they're particularly all over the place at an anime convention and that's not saying that it's anything bad about it or anything. It's just that that type of convention sort of attracts a wider range of people, I think. It's not that there's more of them that like anime. It's just that I think anime conventions sort of... They embrace the misfits. They, like, mm -hmm. they, they're like, hey, you like wearing fursuits? Come to the anime convention. If you like anime come to anime conventions if you like tentacle porn come to anime convention kind of thing and yeah. so i think there's just a wider variety of people with that show um i really enjoy it i love doing the show i think everybody there is really fun and we do pretty well like i did about the same money at that show as we did at crypticon mm -hmm. um <clears throat> it's in the same venue in utah that does SaltCon as well which mm. is a big board gaming convention i do mm -hmm. and so it's kind of nice it's only like two and a half hours from our house so we were home and unloaded before dark after the show ended and that's huge <laughs> yeah um but you know it was it was different um the kids there i say kids because it, it does tend towards the younger age range like I'm probably one of the oldest artists in the artist alley by mm. a significant margin. Um, they're all really good about wearing masks because that culture, the anime Japanese culture sort of were into masks before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So like masks were mandatory. They were very heavily mandated and watched there. Um, they, they normally do like all sorts of dances and like, like like crowd involvement activities and they canceled mm -hmm. all of those and did more panels and like separated things so they it was interesting to see the difference between it and fanex because fanex didn't really take much precaution at all like all of the artist alley tables were still as close to each other as they've always been Whereas mm -hmm. at Anime Bonsai, they had a solid three feet of space between each table. The aisles were much wider than they'd been before. They completely modified their show program to suit the protocols. And so it was really interesting to go to these three different shows that were not just radically different in theme, but also radically different in how they're embracing this like new paradigm of conventions. It was mm -hmm. really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's... Uh, I, I mean, what an interesting thing. I mean, the last, milliseconds ago when we talked, the, the, the specter <laughs> was, what is going to happen? How are you going to yeah. finish off the year? And, you know, what, you know are these shows going to be successful? And I'm really, you know, like you said, you didn't buy... You didn't set, buy... You didn't pay off the house, but you paid off the house bill. I mean, it's like... Also, just coming after the quarantine after this long, it must have just been nice to just be mm -hmm. back at it. Um, Honestly, and I'm, en it I'm was. envious of that. And 
honestly, like, we had some real genuine concerns that Lindsay would not be able to do shows. Her right. brain damage makes it hard for her to recognize faces. And as she gets more tired, she can't read or recognize types of money or right. something like that kind of thing. It's a radical lifestyle change. But I think her doing these shows was actually really good for her. She did Fan X and Anime Bonsai, and she killed it. Like, she didn't recognize faces, but she was still really good at recognizing voices. And, like, she, she still recognized people better than I do. So it's, <laughs> it was just, I think it was really good for her. I think it showed her that, like, for a while, the, like, even just the existence of Deeply Dapper was in doubt whether we would even be able to continue as a company doing shows. And I For think sure. that doing these couple of shows sort of clarified that they're worth fighting for and continuing to do. So I can see that. I mean, even if, even if we only made a few grand over the last three shows, it was worth it for that. Like it, it gave her the motivation to come home and start working on the website and figuring out how to do the adaptive things that we have to do for her to function now that she'd sort of resisted prior to this. I can see so, that. Oh. So from well, a personal yeah. standpoint, it was really nice. <laughs> well, I love it. Um, I'm glad it happened. I wish I, I have envy. I have envy at the same time. I, I have to say at the I same really time, miss, like, I really miss not getting to see you at shows and hang out and stuff. Like I, that's one of my favorite parts, and, and well, I didn't get to do it yet. Yeah, I mean, and that was pri the primary <laughs> reason we were excited about Rose City was it didn't matter whether we said we'd do it, regardless yeah. of whether the show was viable or not, because it didn't matter. We just were going to do it for the weekend. Um, so the part of me that is disappointed that we couldn't hang out for the shows this fall, are the part of me that's disappointed we couldn't for two years. Um, yeah, I don't. I have a little bit of FOMO, but I don't have. But it's contextual because at the same time, I'm like, well, the reasons I couldn't go <laughs> to Rose City are the same <laughs> as they are now. I'm still an unvaccinated child in the house, and it's just right. the it, the reality is until the end of this year, if we're lucky, we get the boosters, mm -hmm. and my youngest gets gets their shot, then I'm going to be a lot better off um, being able to leverage that for next year. So I'm optimistic about that. So. I think for me, yeah. the thing is, I'm most creatively, these days, I'm most creatively inspired to do stuff when we're doing shows. Because I'm excited about what I want mm -hmm. to show at a show. I want to, I get really fired up about drawing either what I think might be fun to have there or things that people asked about that I didn't have because I'm weird about my 700, 800,000 prints. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you have, you have, <laughs> you have dupe and Slimer uh, hybrid, but do you have dupe and, and, uh, you know, um, Bayonetta hybrid? No, I don't, but I better draw it. You know, and so oh my I get God. really. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. Well, and also the other thing is, I mean, the whole, the pandemic neutered the, the official launch of, of the post human role playing game and it's, Right. In its, in its in its sort of relaunch, I guess. And so I, I don't know. I, the part of me that feels like I missed out is also acknowledging that let's say we were able to do it, um, mm -hmm. I'm not ramped up anyway, right? Like I would feel yeah. frustrated that I didn't yeah. have the 
the schedule freedom to really prepare for them. If we were going to do Rose City the way we had planned, I was unpacking the boxes out of their storage and putting them in the truck, and they would be in the same condition they were when I closed up at the last show we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> which I think, which I think was for you and me. I think it was uh, Wizard Portland, right? Is that the last show we did? Uh, yes, that was the last show. Yeah. And uh, we did SaltCon <laughs> after that, and that was the only shows we've done in 18 months until these most recent times. <laughs> and I don't even Nuts. know if the like, notes I don't even know if the notes about what I sold and needed to restock or anything are still <laughs> around. So I had planned oh it. Yeah. Like I pulled up my, my portfolio and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like out of two thirds of my prints that I'd clearly planned on ordering this like spring <laughs> 18 months ago that I have not done. <laughs> well, and also, uh, well, yeah. And also, I had already thought, um, well, when, whatever the next show, w between that and the next presumed show before the quarantine hit, my plan was to take everything and spread it out and just spend a weekend going through every last thing and really making <laughs> sure all the stuff that I'm doing as busy work at the show, which I enjoy anyway, right. I wanted to do it ahead of time, be really um, staged for a for a quicker <laughs> install and then i could actually just be like drawing and, and bullshitting at the show instead that was the plan right so the fact that rose city became like well it's happening sort of and yes it's happening and and then it's not that was very last minute for me like i had with my with my yeah. real life uh pressures there was no chance of even preparing it was like okay fine yeah, i couldn't the, even the get sheer i couldn't you would have had to have done <laughs> yeah yeah it well, would have been yeah I mean, I wouldn't have done anything. I would have just brought it there, but I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to be prepared and really, like, hit the, you know, hit those next shows with that sort of um, uh, organization that I was hoping for. But anyway, look, uh, you know, I'm hoping next yeah. year we could do that. So this has been great. Um, yes. I, uh, I think, um, I, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm just glad that it's a, it's a, it, it's ending on a high note for you, in our discussion about yeah. um, the shows that during the end of the pandemic and that it didn't end with. And at one point you were worried that it did. It didn't end with a COVID panic. Yeah. Or I should say a COVID reality. Like crazy killer sick. I did you get did. that. Like, but it it was con crud and it turned into bronchitis, but it wasn't COVID. Like they tested me and it wasn't COVID, but man, I was sick for like a month. Like just nonstop <laughs> coughing to the point that I was puking and my ribs hurt and like, I had trouble sitting up because my stomach muscles were so sore from coughing so much. But that's to be expected when I've been holed up in my house in Idaho for 18 months. And then I surround myself with people for two weeks straight. I, uh, absolutely. you know, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> I mean, and it is still, and, and, and also, um, look, the fact that you can get con crud with everyone wearing masks shows how pervasive mm -hmm. that stuff is. Also shows, yeah, and and this is what I thought. This is what I was telling one of our con friends on uh, Twitter that, you know, the fact that everyone got concrete anyway shows how important, mm -hmm. just absolutely imperative, the COVID, um, uh, all the vaccinations and all the protocols that individual shows that did enforce them or require them at the door, right. based on whatever the, the 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 host city's requirements were. It shows how critical mm -hmm. that was. Um, yeah, and how critical yeah, it was that everyone who went protected themselves because if you could get the, get sick anyway, I mean the one thing everyone took away from the quarantine and then the post quarantine walking around with masks all the time, uh, and kids being separated at school and all this was, uh, you know, this is the biggest stretch. Those of us who didn't got, die of COVID so far, um, it was their mm -hmm. biggest stretch 
<laughs> of not having serious like colds and flus because yeah, we were so yeah. we were so isolated and then even when we were around each other everyone was wearing masks in the places where they were so proof of concept concrete <laughs> i yeah, wanted to exactly. end before we before we ended i wanted to really quickly um offer you a, a new and occasional topic uh i like to call it the i call it 3 a.m thoughts uh and these are okay. things that i wake up in the middle of the night and i write down to talk about we never get to talk about they don't require a lot of belaboring <laughs> only 35 minutes each um are you ready if you have any 3 a.m. thoughts I, that you think... As, as ready as I'm going to get. <laughs> if you if you have any 3 a.m. thoughts that you have in the in the process of hearing about my 3 a.m. thoughts, you tell me. But the first is, uh, okay. I'm, I'm sick of Iron Man. Uh, and when I wrote that down, I was referring to the fact that um, Iron Man's prominence in the MCU, while absolutely thrilling initially mm -hmm. as a longtime Iron Man fan, the evolution of the character to become Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. becoming Tony Stark... The way the comics then mimicked him, the way the movies were right. centered all around him, and how the uh, kick the the kick into the sort of uh, uh, te technological superiority of his stuff, especially as he got into the extremist type stuff, made it so that mm -hmm. he was you know kind of all powerful, not that interesting. The armors ceased to become; they became less and less interesting the more sophisticated they were to me. And of course, design-wise, yeah. they got more complicated and irritating. But I found myself rewatching these movies with my kids twice now. First with my daughter, and now with my son. And I'm realizing that I care less and less about his thread because I've already done it. I've already been through it. I liked it the first mm -hmm. time, but I'm it, it doesn't it doesn't hold up to the rewatches the way even the first Iron Man movie does. His yeah, thread all through the MCU as the tether of the that links all his. His, his, his drama, linking everything mm -hmm. together, has become tedious for me, and it's frustrating as a, a old time lover of Iron Man that all I'm craving mm -hmm. is I want to go back to Iron Man One. I still like Iron Man One the best. I still like the context mm -hmm. of how they did it. I want him to go back and be working on a welded suit or a prototype that he can't control. I want him. And it goes back to that other thing, which is I like when the heroes don't really know how to do what they're doing. The year ones kinds of yeah. stories. And so Iron yeah. Man was more fun as a year one story. And I think um, it's unfortunate, but I'm just really over it. So, uh, and then since I wrote that, I was just talking to my son yesterday. He was asking me, who's my favorite Avenger? He was talking about MCU. Mm. And I realized I was having trouble finding anyone I wanted to talk about. Because we've watched it over and over and over so many times, I, I uh -huh. can't believe I'm saying this. We've had this um, wealth of variety and choice, and they've done some really interesting things. I still love many of those movies a ton. But at mm -hmm. this moment, I'm more excited about uh, DCU movies I recently saw, or that I haven't seen in a long time, or that are upcoming, than I am about okay. the Marvel movies that I've already watched and the Marvel movies that are coming. So, for example, Eternals will probably be amazing, just like Guardians was when I thought Guardians was like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. And it blew us away. <laughs> Early responses about Guardians are, I mean, about uh, Eternals is, oh, it's really great. So, okay, cool. But right now I'm thinking, I loved, you know, spoiler alert, I loved uh, The Suicide Squad and 
Mm-hmm. And I and I um and I really want to see the Batman. So like, do you know what I mean? And then and then it, yeah. and I cut yeah. and I'm driving and I'm thinking about I find myself thinking about Nolan Batman stuff. So it's like <laughs> I've overdosed a little bit and now I'm kind of enjoying the other side of it a little bit. And then I think when some of these new okay. Marvel movies come out, I will be more engaged. But I have expressed I some that. trepidation about Phase Four a little bit, and I'm trusting the process. But I'm not mm-hmm. pre I'm not pre thrilled. Um, chomping at the bit, waiting for this stuff to be launched uh, the way I would like to be. And I think that's just Yeah, burnout. certainly not the way I would have expected me to be. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I agree completely. I I feel like there's certain things that I'm just like, meh. <laughs> I get defensive. And I would never have been yeah. that before. I get defensive when I read stuff like when, um, you know, uh, Villeneuve's comments were taken out of context or, or, um, Coppola, whoever it was, was taken in context and they're ranting about um, what trash MCU movies are. Uh, I get defensive because of mm-hmm. the elitism. But at the end of the day, it's not like I was running home going, man, I really want to see Thor The Dark World again right now. You know, so um, <laughs> right. anyway, the next one is that um, I just wrote down. These are all things I literally wrote in notes at 3 a.m., by the way. So sometimes they're confusing. But I wrote mm-hmm. pandemic projects are isolating and weird. <laughs> And then in parentheses, about inspiration, <laughs> motivation, stress, anxiety, and no shows. And I think what I was, I think I, what I was dwelling on, or maybe came out of a dream, I had a lot of dreams about preparing for cons and doing cons that were weird. <laughs> okay. And I think what I was, what I was feeling at 3 a.m. was just the fact that drawing, I used to always say to you back in the forums, right? Back in the day that I didn't care. I didn't have an e-store. I didn't sell stuff yet, even at that time. And I was like, right. I don't. I don't care if anybody sees my art. I will be happily on a desert island drawn away, having a great time. Um, mm-hmm. But but the con experience and our camaraderie and and the and the shared experience of collaborators and creators talking about what they're doing and the whole experience of doing small press stuff has over overtaken my previous enjoyment of just doing it in a void. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not to say I don't enjoy creating art in the void. But with all right. of the other stresses of the pandemic, I never felt very, I never felt much like I could do it. I couldn't really, yeah. I, I'd even sometimes put the stuff in front of me and I would just stare at it. And I rarely had, I rarely had an artist block problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Either in content or yeah. either in content or execution. But throughout the pandemic, I really struggled uh, to just force myself I, to draw. And I had some good ones. I had some good experiences and some bad ones. But um, mm-hmm. isolation is really strange when you've been working with people and around people, getting their bouncing things, and you know it's their enthusiasms, right? And yours. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Another it's, one. It's yeah. amazing the difference it makes. Even even if they're not actively like, oh, let's get together and create things. Just being around other people that are creative does right. make a difference. It it can inspire you in ways that you don't even realize. Yeah, I don't really even miss the collaboration of jams or or yeah. even the col- the collaboration of, of shared projects. It's more like I just miss the interaction of like, you know, oh, we all want to draw this character, or oh, you did a great job on this yeah. thing, or being excited by other people's excitement. That's the thing too, right? I really enjoy the cons. Yeah, yeah. I like fan excitement, but I really like like experiencing creator excitement too. So, um, read. Yeah, totally. Another- Another one I wrote was a reverse Batman story where a crazed Batman is hunting Joker because his daddy is his daddy was bad and 
and and he is and uh, and Joker's chaos. So he is the opposite of Mean Daddy. Um, and I think what I was I think what I was doing was thinking about a story that is a Joker's narrative, but Batman's the villain, right? And I mean we've okay. seen some comic story comic concepts of that, but like in the in the movie in the movie cinematic, you know, like sort of in this Nolan or even maybe this new um, the Batman tone. The idea where you're mm-hmm. you're following the Joker as a positive, or even maybe even the 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 Ayers Joker, just the idea that it would yeah. be about him being on the run, not just not just that it's focusing on Joker, but that Joker's on the run mm-hmm. because he's being hunted and he's being hunted by a screwless Batman. I think that is exciting, that would be and that and that the narrative yeah. isn't that Joker's crazy. The narrative is that Joker's crazy, but the narrative is that guy is really crazy. <laughs> that guy's hunting <laughs> hunting human hunting crazy <laughs> right yeah all right i still want that, I like that. Yeah. um the next one i wrote was ghost in the shell would have been better if she was white and i think i'm saying something that we probably <laughs> really did say back in the at the time when we were reviewing that project but i think what i was trying to say was in the comic i mean in the anime and the manga she's she's white skinned like she's got an artificial right uh body cyborg body Effect. She does not look like a anyone of any particular ethnicity. She looks like an aut- right. automaton, and that's what I think what I was trying to say. But the way it written it was written at three a.m. made me laugh. <laughs> because... Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm really, I know. I mean, I think it's really. Um, I think I think that, that look when you see it in like people's uh, CGI renders of humanoid mm-hmm. um, robots. That have a have a white rubbery silicone skin. I think that's absolutely fascinating. So I think yes. that would have been interesting yeah, if they had done absolutely. it. Um, yeah, if they'd done like all in on it. Yeah. Another one was I said the original Watchmen was not only a commentary on comic books, but on the ad- adaptation of comic stories themselves from one publisher to another, which is true, and how the mm-hmm. TV show did that similarly in a way that the um, Snyder Watchmen did not. Snyder Watchmen didn't have a commentary of of adapting um you know any sort of meta anything about adapting comic characters in a new yeah, way or sure. comic characters from companies or anything but watchmen the tv series was an adaptation of an adaptation in a new way which was much more linked to the spirit of what the original watchmen was based on the timely comics characters or whatever they were archie comics archie comics yeah characters that they were so there's a thousand things I loved about the Watchmen series, but that was something that occurred to me at 3 a.m. Um, I got three more, it looks like. One is that force healing and force lightning are the two sides of the same coin with one hurting and one helping. And I don't know that they ever actually explicitly describe it that way in Star Wars, and they probably have, maybe in books or something. But mm, whatever yeah. I was dreaming about or whatever 3 a.m. hang up trying to get to sleep or whatever, realizing that, you know... <laughs> A Jedi could touch someone, and a Sith could lightning them, and it's like the same thing. Right. Power, power coming out of their hands, doing two different things. Okay. Another one was I think at three a.m. I was just I woke up amused that uh, thinking about the fact that Werner Herzog saw that they were preparing uh, to do backup digital footage um, without Baby Yoda, that we'd insert Baby Yoda in. So they did the first round of filming with. The, the animatronic one, and then they were going to do another one with a green, uh-huh. with with a green capsule or whatever. And uh, he up 
uh, reportedly called, he declared they were cowards, and so they stopped. <laughs> and so, yes. I don't know, I just yeah. absolutely love that story, because, again, it's Herzog, but... Yeah, anything that involves Herzog calling someone a coward <laughs> is a good thing. <laughs> you, are, you are cowards! <laughs> um, and then finally, I wrote, uh, directors use the camera view to hide things from the audience for affect. But when the story uses the camera view as a script component, then it's a failure. Like, and I think I was referring to um, stuff that was happening in the um, in the sequels, uh, such as the ship with carrying Chewbacca. They look and the ship carrying Chewbacca explodes. Oh, yeah. And then pan left and there's another ship that you didn't see. Well, the characters could have seen another ship. But we as the audience don't see it, so therefore it's shaping, it's manipulating our experience in a in a conceit that doesn't work, right? Um, I, yeah. You know, I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, or or anytime a ship's coming over, coming in over a planet, and the characters don't know what they're, um, you know, coming into, makes no sense too. And I think mm-hmm. that they, I was referring to the fact that the it was important for the audience to not know that there was the unrealistic, impossible. Uh, uh, you know, um, first order fleet of unobtainium, uh, Death Star, Starfight, um, Star Destroyers in the Merc <laughs> that they had to find out only when they got there. And, right. but if, if you were enter orbit, even though Star Wars has all these primitive technologies being used on these ships, that they would enter orbit and not be able to tell that all the stuff was there because we've seen over and over again that they'll, they'll come into a zone and be like, well, what's going on? They'll be like, well, you know, there's only one habitable. There's only one right. habitable city yeah, on this. They do all of that, this, but they <laughs> mo- yeah, this mo- this mono uh, yeah, this this monoclimate planet, and uh, it's it's there, right? So they wouldn't have sensors yeah. that could pick up this up, unless they're all clone, they're all stealth and whatever else. But it's right. just, they didn't even go that far. You can't dive into Skywalker's criticism in this 3 a.m. comment, but I think it was just an example. <laughs> like it's important. It it doesn't hold in a movie like a Star Wars movie. It holds in a movie like if you were doing a um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and you're they're sailing into a yeah. familiar harbor that's been destroyed, and then skeletal ships rise up out of the water. Okay, it's supernatural, <laughs> limited technology, unobtainium right. star destroyers. No, all right. Thank you for uh, in, um, you know allowing me to give you my three AM thoughts. You should start writing some of yours down. Um, I'd love to hear what they are, and they're probably I'm all sleep at three uh, much more interesting, but. But are you though? <laughs> well, that's usually about when I go to bed, so I guess that's yeah. there. <laughs> I, I could All be right. awake. <laughs> well, thank you again for spending this time doing the catch up on the shows, and I look forward to talking to you soon, dude. Yeah, it's been too All long. All right, dude. Dude. All right, dude.